Welcome to Rooster Radio, I'm Andrew Montessi with James Begley. We've got an episode of a different kind. We organised a beer tasting event with Swell Brewing at one of our favourite venues, the Henry Austin in Adelaide. It was a great night tasting quality craft brews and hanging out with Rooster Radio guests and listeners. If you didn't get an invite, you mustn't be on our mailing list. Sign up at roosterradio.biz so you don't miss out on the next one. This is our short and sharp live interview with Swell's founder, Dan Wright who talks about his brewing and business journey. Well, firstly, thank you everyone for coming to the Henry Austin for live Rooster Radio. So a bit of background um, for our relationship with the Henry Austin. The man who's just walked in uh, wearing dog-bitten thongs. Uh, yeah, some sort of strange shorts and an ironic t-shirt saying innocent. Uh, Mr. Max Mason, a previous guest of Rooster Radio, thank you for your ongoing support, sir. And thank you all for coming. We have, we also should mention the patron, Ben Fitzsimmons, who well is um, probably the lead man. Spiritual leader. Spiritual yeah. leader of Rooster Radio. So first of all, um, a big thanks to Dan Wright, founder of Swell Brewing, for putting on a few beers for us and um, giving us a taste of his wares. So thank you, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me. First of all, I guess give us a bit of a, a summary of um, how you see Swell and where it fits in the, in the craft beer market. Um, where I fit in the craft beer market, I'm, I suppose I'm more of a what they call a sessionable beer brand. So we're not, uh, we're not the mainstream... Uh, commercial style of beer, um, but we're not the full-on IPAs, uh, barley wines, and you know the the random flavoured kind of beers mm. that people do. Everyone tries to sort of outdo themselves with some random stuff. I'm more true to style beers, but you know beer with a lot of flavour, but trying to keep true to style. So I mean, I, I sort of put myself as where you know if I'm out with my mates or I've been to the beach or I'm on holidays or whatever, I want to have, you know, a good flavoured beer um, rather than something that I really have to concentrate on and mm. pick flavours. So that's where I sit in the market, yeah. yeah. When you're setting out to establish a beer, um, did you have an end in mind or how did the whole swell concept sort of arrive in that mind of yours? Um from when I wanted to start the company or, yeah, or, like, or what got me interested? When did you in want to get into the beer making space? Yeah. Um, I was always, uh, I always enjoyed my beer. So that, uh, that sparked the interest from, uh, you know, one day over 18. Um, <laughs> but uh, when I went travelling overseas uh, between working for a company down the southeast to going to help my dad out in McLaren Vale. I went for a sort of an 18-month surf mission overseas. Just, just a short trip. Yeah. I said, oh, Daddy, you know, if I go away for 18 months, is that going to be... And he's like, nah, you're not going. I was like, come on, mate, it'll be all right. Well, you don't need me straight away. So basically I tried to, tried to surf on uh, 18 different countries, um, you know, one country, different month. So I started in, uh, well, I actually started in Canada, worked my way down the, There's surf the in West Canada? Coast. There is surf in Canada. Yeah, yeah. Vancouver Island. It's freezing, but there is surf. Um, so basically, once I started doing that and then going through uh, wine districts, because uh, I've got a 
bachelor's degree in agricultural science and I majored in viticulture so I'm, um, I've come from a wine background so I'd go through the wine districts and I saw all these craft beer venues and um, a whole new world just opened up to me. I was just like, well, I live in McLaren Vale. We haven't got any of this. This was probably 10 years ago that I, I went, uh, went travelling or 12 years ago. So I was just like, wow, this would, this would really be good, something good and something extra in McLaren Vale for um, the tourism and, uh, of the area. So as I went further down into the sort of mainstream America and then even further down into uh, Central America, there was, you know, random craft beer bar in, in Cusco in, in Peru. There's no surf there, but I had to do the... High yeah, altitude, you'd get pissed pretty easily, yeah, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Trying, you know, tasting your guinea pig while you're having a craft beer. Um, so, that, yeah, so that really sparked my uh, interest in craft beer. So as I was on these eight-hour journeys on a, on a bus, I'd be just penning down my thoughts of the name of the, name of the company, what I wanted to do, what sort of styles of beer I liked. and So, yeah, it was all sort of just a... You know, a journey on top of a journey. Was, was the name yeah. Swell back then? No. What was it? McLaren Vale Brewing Company. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I got home and, uh, you know, I was talking to a mate, do you want to go into this beer company with me and this is what I'm going to call it? And then I, uh, I don't know if I'd, I didn't trademark it or, or register it and then when I thought about it and went to register it, I was like, hang on, there's McLaren Vale Brewing Company already. Who are these people? <laughs> so... Which was kind of a blessing in disguise because it, it, it made me start a business that was more about me and my love for surfing and travel and beach lifestyle than being a regional craft beer brand. So what happened so, next? So you get home from your, your long journey. How do you actually put this thing into action? I had to learn how to brew beer because I'd never really... Literally from scratch. Yeah, never done it so I'd never done it before. So I decided I'd, I'd go down to the shop and get myself a... Cooper's kit and try that, you know, with the, um, you know, the syrup and boiling it up and doing it. It was terrible. It was like the worst beer I've ever had. It was, uh, you know, it was oxidised. It was infected. It was, and I was just like, oh god, what am I doing? But then I had, and I realised, well, why am I even doing this? I need to learn how to brew it from grain, scratch. That's what you know. That's what I want to get into. So, but from that, I learned that cleanliness and temperature control are the main things that you need to brew really good beer. And the rest, as far as ingredients goes, you can change it up and do whatever you like and you'll generally get a good-tasting beer um, free of fault. So, uh, so yeah, so basically I uh, went away on another surf trip for six weeks to Indonesia, took my brewing... It's a common thread here. Yeah, yeah. Then you came back and couldn't believe that... Bintang had already been taken as yeah, a beer name. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, as I was having my Bintangs between surfs, I was actually, you know, basically self-teaching myself how to brew from scratch, full mash grain brewing. And um, so once I finished that trip, I came back, started brewing from scratch. So basically it was me going from home brewing, full mash home brewing, to then about five or six, eight years later, then finally doing it properly and, and putting my name to a, a beer. So you've had a fair apprenticeship. Were you ambitious in the beginning? Like, did you set yourself that this was going to be a business and you wanted to make it a, a livelihood? 
I mean, we're always fascinated at the point at which people, you know, sort of take that plunge and, you know, take their passion and try and make it a career. Yeah, yeah. What were you doing in the meantime, I guess, to, to live and to fund your hobby? Uh, well, currently I'm still doing that. Ah, okay. There yeah, you go. yeah. So I, um, yeah, I was managing vineyards down in the southeast before I started this whole thing and then I moved back home and managed my old man's vineyard, started up a vineyard contracting business so I managed a few other uh, vineyards around McLaren Vale and then started this business so I had the the contracting viticultural business uh, a consultancy viticulture business and the beer and once the beer started to really take off I just couldn't fit everything into my day so I had to kind of give up the viticultural business as such but in that meantime I'd uh, was able to, uh, with my wife, purchase her mother's vineyard, which was been in the family for six generations. So basically, I farm that to fund the beer. Basically, just yeah. to go just to go back a step. At what point did you think, okay, I've got something I can take to market? Because I mean, every every bike, every second bike seems to want to get into home brewing, yeah, making yeah. their own batches, and probably dreams of having their own brewery at what point do you think okay this might be good enough to actually take it to market um well i suppose it was a you know a a couple of years of my mates going oh this is really good beer you know you should sell this and i was like yeah yeah and then i was thinking of how much i need to actually invest in it to happen i was like i don't think i'll ever be able to get it off the ground as such but um you know then brewing brewing my own beer for our engagement party, things like that, and guys were like, oh, this is great, you know, this is awesome beer. So that's kind of when I twigged that, you know, the beer was good enough to sell. Um, but then I'd, I was going, oh, well, they're just mates of mine, they're just, they're just being nice. So I'd actually, uh, you know, I'd, I'd brew a few different batch of beer and take it to parties because I couldn't drink as much as I was brewing and I just needed to, <laughs> I didn't want to sort of brew it, taste it and go, oh, yeah, that was good, good recipe and throw it out so I'd, I was always a hit at the parties yeah. but I'd uh, I'd bring two or three different batches and I wouldn't ask them oh what do you th- what do you think of that one what do you think of that because I'd I'd tweak the recipes a bit and I'd, maybe there'd be three pale ales but they'd be different I wouldn't ask them which one they liked at the end of the night I'd just just pick up each keg and whichever one was lighter I'd be like sweet recipe you know three four five that's the good one because otherwise they'd be like oh I really love your beer and you know so that was how I'd try and get a decent idea of what, which one they liked so yeah so so that was how uh yeah how I got into that but I suppose the uh you know back in the day when Little Creatures was starting out their pale ale was kind of the the beer that I was like wow this is this is really good craft beer so, yeah you mentioned the the funding side of it we had uh, David Bowley on from Vintelope and he gave us a pretty interesting insight into how you know the cost of a bottle of wine that you know that a that a punter pays gets distributed, yeah. and how much goes to tax. And um, can you give us an insight into kind of the breakdown of the cost of your beer? And you know, is it a lucrative business? Is it uh, is it a hard business? Uh, without getting giving away any trade secrets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the costs in beer is pretty much uh, a third is the beer inside the vessel. Another third is the vessel itself, and then another third, or 40%, is uh, tax. 
So yeah, 40% of each beer is taxed. So there's 30, 30% is excise duty on alcohol, and then they do a tax on tax. So they actually charge you GST on top of that excise duty, 10% on top of that, which is nice of the government. So yeah, so pretty much, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, that, that's pretty much the breakdown of of the beer in, in, in Vessel, yeah, so. There's also and then, the, the setup cost as well, isn't there? I guess when we spoke to the Pirate Life guys as well, that, that was what they talked about as their biggest issue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, you can do what, what I did originally was uh, contract brew. So I had pretty much my recipes. Mm. I, first I went to uh, Mildura Brewery, who did contracting. So you go there with your recipe and they brew it for oh, you. Yeah charge you a premium for it and then you've got to take it to market so but you've got no control over how the beer arrives or uh, you know those sorts of things so most of the time I'd after contracting I'd get it back and go like oh it's not really what I wanted you know it doesn't really taste the same so I'd have to try again and try again whereas now I'm brewing out of Wollonga um, so I'm down there every day tasting making sure my ferments are right and if I need it tweak something you know it's not as hoppy as I thought or whatever I can I can adjust it without having to get another quote from the contractor and putting it back in so yeah so that's the day-to-day aspect of brewing you just mentioned it um what is the key uh part of maintaining that quality like um what are the pivotal things to get a good brew um as I said before, definitely temperature control. Cleanliness is basically number one. So you, you clean things? Yes. Yes. <laughs> basically clean everything. Tank. I mean, basically you don't want, so you you don't want any beer touching any air at any time, any oxygen or being open to the element because you'll get bacterial infections or whatever. So basically from basically the the hot side of brewing, once it gets to cold side, which is going into fermenter, basically you don't want any oxygen or any outside influence on that beer, even to can. So, because you just, because it's uh, a high pH product, there's still a bit of residual sugar in there, uh, you can get bacterial infections really quickly in that, yeah. You know, one, one little bacteria can stuff a whole batch up. Has that happened before, or have you had some pretty tough moments with some batches? Um, once I had yeah bacterial infection in the amber ale, which was pretty hard, and especially uh, with my business, which is you know batch to batch, and you're hoping it's you know if I lose a whole batch, it's it hurts as mm. far as financially goes. So, um, but then again, I don't want my customers having bad beer. So yeah. What are some so, of the, the biggest challenges that you've faced on the journey so far? Um, I think the biggest one is distribution, you know, transport and getting my beer out to the customers because I'm basically a one-man team. Um, you know, there's only so much I can do in a day as far as brewing or delivering or meeting new customers. Um, uh I originally I had stars in my eyes. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do national distribution. I, you know, I got a um, distribution in WA and Queensland, New South Wales, and kind of diluted what I had. And I basically South Australia was my best market because I suppose mm. nobody will sell my beer like me. Mm. And I had beer over in those states, kind of 
getting close to best before and they weren't really pushing it as much as I thought they would and back in you know, this was like six or seven years ago when the craft beer industry was you know in its infancy in Australia um, and basically every distribution point I had sort of cost me money because I'd have to either destroy that beer or bring it back and try and sell it for cheap and so now I've just actually brought it back into just South Australia I'm just dabbling again in in Victoria a friend of mine started up a distribution company there and he's he could pretty much sell ice to Eskimo so I'm hoping it's going to go well in in Victoria but that, that I think that was the main um, that's probably the hardest thing I think but also turning beer over trying to keep it fresh because fresh fresh is best with beer so just to um, you know constantly having fresh beer available and turning over um, your beer is is a challenge especially the more skews I have kind of dilutes the turnover of each each kind of skew so yeah so you mentioned that some of the harder moments what would be your ambition what would you love to see this brand do in the next 10 years uh, well, first of all, I'd really like my application to the council to be approved. It's been in council for 18 months for for building an actual, well, actually, because I'm brewing out of the industrial area in Wurlunga, I actually want to have an actual brewing facility plus cellar door, grassed area where people can come down, sit down, have something to eat, drink, drink my beer in McLaren Vale. So that's probably the, you know the next thing, the next biggest thing that I want to do. I mean, it's been in council for 18 months, so Bruce surely, surely fairly, they've got to approve it Bruce soon. Rudd is fairly influential around Adelaide, yeah, so yeah. if you need <laughs> us to speak to some people, we could probably, yeah. we could probably tee that up. Leon? Leon yeah. Bignall, Bignall. You, got, you got him on your yeah, Andrew speaker. knows him. Yeah, yeah. Actually, last time I saw him, Max, was, was down in um, one of your little weird rooms down here. <laughs> He'd had a few wines. Dungeon. I can neither confirm nor deny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so that's, that's the biggest thing no, 18, for, for 18 us. months. Yeah, 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 it's been a f- well because it's uh, an agricultural district and beer is deemed commercial, not agricultural. It's going to be a change of land use, which has been quite tough on the councillors to tick the box. So once I get through that, then hopefully, uh, yeah, then I've got a full retail space, an actual home for people to come and taste the beer, which would be great. So it's kind of like that one-stop shop. I mean, you, yeah, and you yeah. mentioned Little Creatures. They're obviously a fantastic success story. Do, do those yeah, sorts yeah. of examples give you energy and keep, keep you going? Definitely, definitely. But it's also um, to be able to see customers come in, enjoy the beer from where it's been brewed. I, I, get, I get a real sense of enjoyment out of that when people are having a really good time drinking my beer. I, I can't imagine how you know, good it would be with them at my facility, overlooking the brew house, out in the lawn, having a few few beers and enjoying the food. I reckon that'll be that's like that's like taking it to the next level. And then after that, who knows? Bit of uh, bit of export, or maybe move from distribution in Victoria to maybe go to New South Wales or Queensland, or yeah, yeah. Beds, I think it might be time for you to uh, officially close proceedings. I've just seen my dad nod off. Um, <laughs> I'm not even joking. He's uh, Dan. He's in. He's in the comfy couch there. And Dan, I might have been the IPAs that he no, had. No, no, I wouldn't take it personally because famously, in a lot of his family events, he just goes and has a kip as well. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. It's, it's, believe me, it's nothing personal, mate. Don't Christmas worry. Day. Yeah, Christmas Day. Every day, actually. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, look, Dan, thank you for giving us an insight into what is clearly um, a, a passion of yours. Um, as a final note, you know, we've got a bunch of people here that have, that have tried your beer. If, if the advocates are out there um, spruiking your brand, what, what is it that you would love for them to say about your beer? Um, I think uh, not to be scared of drinking beer out of a can. <laughs> I think, you know, it's not, you know, that's, that's the new way forward. Um, and just, you know, enjoyable, sessionable summer ales, um, you know, and, uh, and beer for all ages, really. Yeah. Mate, thanks for joining Rooster Radio and I really appreciate giving us a, a taste of your fine drop. No worries. Thanks, thanks for having me. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks. You can find out more about Swell Brewing at swellbeer.com.au. And if you're in Adelaide, put the Henry Austin at the top of your list for dinner and drinks. Visit thehenryaustin.com.au. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in.